Listen to this podcast. You may have guessed, I am the Podman. No, you're not, said little Nicola. I am the Podman will take a magical look at podcasts about the Beatles and review them for accuracy, production value, and entertainment value, and then answer the question, is this podcast worth listening to? As always, I'm recording in studio number two at Shabby Road Studios. Number two... Number two, number two, which when turned back to front, sounds suspiciously like, turn me on, Padman, turn me on, Padman, turn me on, Padman. And yes, I know that would sound much better in stereo, but George Martin insists that the first four podcasts be in mono. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to like and subscribe preferably before you listen to the show. Thanks again for listening. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. Episode 3, with the Podman. So let's talk about a generally controversial subject, artificial intelligence. Simply put, and straight off of Wikipedia, artificial intelligence is the intelligence of machines or software, This is as opposed to the intelligence of humans or other animals. It's a field of study in computer science that develops and studies intelligent machines. The first person to conduct substantial research in this field was Alan Turing. Some of you may have seen the movie about his work deciphering the Ultra Machine, The Imitation Game. The movie starred Keira Knightley and apparently a bunch of other people from 2014. In music, software has been developed which uses AI to produce music. A feature is the ability of an AI algorithm to learn, based on data that has been inputted, to output like or altered music based on that data. This was so much of a tizzy among the crowd in Washington. People who don't have the intellect to explain or even understand even the first thing about artificial intelligence but since they did watch a Terminator movie 40 years ago, Where were you at 2.14 Eastern Standard Time on August 29th, 1997? They just knew they had to get involved and earn our undying gratitude. Heck, 
in a strongly worded executive order, the female-minded executive demanded that if you develop certain types of AI models, you should maybe tell someone in the government about it? Immediately, sort of. And no bias or discrimination in AI models, or else something. So how does all this apply to the Beatles? On June 13th, 2023, during an interview on BBC Radio 4 to promote Eye of the Storm, interviewer Martha Carney asked Paul this. And what do you think about efforts that are being made through technology, through artificial intelligence to recreate the early Beatles, making your voice sound younger, bringing those voices back, well, from from the grave, really? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a very interesting thing, you know. It's, uh, It's something we're all sort of tackling at the moment, you know, and trying to deal with what's it mean, you know. Um, yeah, as people will tell, I don't hear that much because I'm not on the on the uh, internet that much, but people will say to me, oh yeah, there's a, there's a track where, you know, John's singing one of my songs, and it isn't, it's just AI, you know. So, all of that is is kind of scary, um, but exciting because it's it's the future, um, and we were able to use uh, that kind of thing when we did when um, Peter Jackson did the film Get Back, where it was um, us making the Let It Be album, and he was able to extricate John's voice from a, a ropey little bit of cassette where it had John's voice and a piano. Um, he could separate them with AI. They could do, they tell the machine, that's a voice, this is a guitar, lose the guitar. And he did that. So it has great uses. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record, it was a demo that John had um, that we worked on and we've just finished it up and be released this year. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI so that then we could mix the record as you would normally do. You know, so it, it, gives, you, it gives you some sort of uh, leeway. So there's a good side to it and then a scary side. And uh, we'll just have to see where that leads. And the world went crazy. Stupid, uninformed people everywhere just naturally assumed that AI would be used to artificially reproduce John's voice, and everyone was talking about it. Paul, accidentally or not, had achieved a huge media coup. He rode the buzz for over a week before clarifying, really just explaining, or mansplaining, in a tweet, It's all real, and we all play on it. Nothing's been artificially or synthetically produced. While the veracity of that statement can be argued, it only softened the reaction. But now, eight months later, I still see some references to fake Beatles. Among the Beatles community, I saw and heard some very dismissive comments about AI and how hokey it was. John duetting with Elvis on You'll Never Walk Alone, or the Beatles doing We Are the World with a preamble from John hawking charity computers. But I heard a song that I had heard many times before, but instead of it being sung by a 70-year-old man with a raspy voice, a song about his new wife, this song was sung by a much younger man about a very different relationship. Don't look at me, it's 
It would be November 2nd, 2023 before I had such an emotional reaction to a song. But it didn't stop there. Some AI made me laugh. Ping pong, 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 ping pong
Some sounded like the real rattles. Time goes by as we all know naturally. People come and people go naturally. Let's be natural. Ever since the world began, let's be natural. Every woman, every man, let's be natural. I've followed nature's plan, let's be natural. From now, when your grandchildren climb up on your knee, you may be quite astonished to see how many channels they can change on TV. When some old film in black and white comes on, and there you are up on the some uncovered lingual skills I never knew existed. Tell me when will you be mine? Tell me wonder, wonder, wonder. We can share a love divine Please don't make me wait again When will you say yes to me? Tell me wonder, wonder, wonder You mean happiness to me When we're on TikTok Que alegria Fungando a ladeira Noite e dia Saltando uma verja Verde a ti E assim Em tus ojos Algo novo Descobrir Las rosas decían que eras mía Y un gato me hacía compañía Desde que me dejaste yo no sé por qué And some came from a voice we are so desperate to hear again. Right out of the streets 
Some from a voice made new. It was written that I would love you from the moment I opened my eyes, and the morning when I first saw you gave me life on the calico skies. Hear the drummer with his friend Harry. can travel through time.
And we hear what surely would have been an eternal classic. of all, we get to hear what it would have sounded like if the cheering never ended.
Let's take a look at Martin Cabell's fabulous podcast, Pods Like Us. Take it away, Paul. Martin, Marty to his friends, started the podcast in October of 2020. As of 2024, he has over 200 episodes and commentaries, which Marv calls The Pod Files and his podcast Pods We Love. Today I'll be looking at Marv's February 9th, 2023 episode, in which he interviews the always fascinating Alan Cozen. Please, Spock, do me a favor, and don't say it's fascinating. No, but it is... Interesting. Now, before I talk about Alan Cozen, I should mention that reviewing a podcast like Pods Like Us is a first on the Podman. Why? And you may ask yourself. Well, while Marv is obviously a huge and very knowledgeable Beatles fan, Pods Like Us is not strictly a Beatles podcast. Actually, Pods Like Us is a podcast about podcasts. I wish I had thought of that. So Marv interviews all manner of podcasters on all different subjects. It is the quintessential podcast on podcasts. I haven't counted them all up, but just eyeballing it, it seems to me that about 20% of Marv's podcasts are on the Beatles or Beatle-related. But really, if you come for the Beatles, you need to stay for the rest. I promise I won't review another non-Beatles-only podcast for a really long time. In fact... By my fake Rolex, it seems like it will be in about 30 minutes. So on to Alan Cozen. Full disclosure here, I'm a Cozen fan. I think Alan's musical analysis of any musical style is always well thought out, supported by examples, and intellect. I'm always entertained when Alan is the guest on a podcast, and this episode of Pods Like Us is no exception. Marv gives a bit about Alan's various credits. By the way, where can I get Alan's ebook? You've got that something. And talks to Alan about his education and how he got into music journalism. Alan said the New York Times published his first piece in 1977. He said working for the New York Times opened a lot of doors. He worked for the Times until 2014. Cozen relates that while he was the New York Times classical critic, the Times pop critic John Pirellis asked Alan to write reviews for the Beatles CDs because of his extensive Beatles knowledge when the CDs were released back in 1987. Cozen says, quote, That's when I basically became the Beatles desk at the New York Times. End quote. He says that several years later, while giving a talk at the Juilliard, John Perellis said, The New York Times is the only newspaper in the country to have a dedicated Beatles desk, and it's in the classical music department. The gents talk about the books that Alan has written, eight of them. Marv mentions that Alan's book on the Beatles for Faden Press is one that he quite likes. Alan says that when that was written, it was for a series of 20th century composer biographies. Alan says that all the other books in that series were classical composers, but after the Beatles book's success, 
Faden added non-classical composers to that series. They then get to the real meat and potatoes, Alan's book The McCartney Legacy by Alan and Adrian Sinclair. They start by discussing Cozen's fantastic foreword for McCartney Legacy, as well-written as one would expect, and the theory that many of Paul's oft-repeated anecdotes, often not reality-based, are spoken by his public performing persona. Allen says that Paul often tells idealized anecdotes in that they have some stylistic or entertainment value. Allen says that in his opinion, Paul views his public persona as a separate entity for his true self. It would seem to me that that may be a possible explanation for Paul's relative, in the world of famous rock stars, level-headedness and mostly very positive reputation. But what do I know? It's not like I'm a psychologist or anything. Marf points out that Paul is a bit of a creative sponge in that he learned a lot from John Lennon. That was a two-way street. But Marv also states that he thinks Paul learned a great deal from Denny Lane. Alan mentions how valuable Denny Sywell was to he and Adrian and to the book, McCartney Legacy. Both Marv and Alan think that Red Rose Speedaway would have been a much better double album. The Podman can agree. The guys talk about the evolution of Wings and the strange way the band was put together, and the reasons for that. Alan sheds a great deal of light on Paul's efforts to make good with the band members for their financial hardships during the 1970s. In a very telling anecdote, Alan tells of the time he asked Paul about the fact that to provide their fans with the greatest value, the Beatles had a policy of not including singles and tracks on albums. Alan asked Paul why he seems to have 180 from that by putting certain songs only on cassette or as a B-side only in BF Egypt station. Paul replied that the Beatles could tell the record company weasels to F off. Paul, on the other hand, realizes that he doesn't have the same hand that the Beatles had and must consider what the record company wants. Alan discusses Paul's very sophisticated knowledge and taste in classical music. The McCartney legacy is discussed, as are the roles of Alan Cozen and Adrian Sinclair in writing the book. Then Marty asked Alan about his experience in podcasting. After sharing some cute stories, the gentlemen wrap up what was a terrific podcast. So first, a brief word about the McCartney legacy. I think that Cozen and Sinclair have put together an exceptional tome, and I look forward to future volumes. As of this recording, the hardcover is $15.34 on Jeff Bezos' site. So really, it's a must-add to your collection. Yes, the print is painfully small, and hopefully someone will explain the strawberries. But other than that... Now, pods like us. What is there to add I haven't already said? I've listened to a good number of these episodes, and not just the Beatles-related ones, and I find the cast to be entertaining even if the topic is one in which I have little or no interest. Why, you ask? Of course, anyone who's listened to the podcast will know that the answer is Marvin Kibel. Marv always treats his guests with respect, and it often feels like he's chatting with an old friend. So the podman, I do love referring to myself in the third person, Highly recommends Pods Like Us. And hey, expand your horizons. Don't just listen to the Beatles episodes.
Here's a little section I like to call Media City. This episode is a slightly different media city. In this episode, I'll be looking at a live event. Last night, January 11th, 2024, I attended the Jim Ursay Collection at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. This free event featured Jim Ursay's huge collection of music, sports, and historical memorabilia, and a concert by the Jim Ursay Collection featuring an excellent lineup of musicians including the amazing Kenny Wayne Shepherd on guitar, R.E.M.'s Mike Mills on bass, Kenny Aronoff, who has played with Paul and Ringo, on drums, and several other great musicians. Guest musicians that night included Buddy Guy, Ann Wilson, Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, and Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band. For me, the musical highlight was the performance of Pink Floyd's Have a Cigar and Comfortably Numb played by Kenny Wayne Shepherd on the famous Black Strat, the Stratocaster formerly owned by Dave Gilmore and played on those records. Gilmore also played the Black Strat at the Pink Floyd reunion at Live 8 in 2005. The guitar was purchased at a charity auction in 2018 by Ursay for almost $4 million. Prior to the performance, Kenny Wade Shepard announced that Jim Ursay believes that unlike a painting or another work of art, his collection of musical instruments is alive and can still create great music. In any case, hearing the solo from Comfortably Numb played on the guitar from the actual recording made 45 years ago was a fantastic experience. I don't want to spend too much time talking about Jim Ursay. Apparently, he usually starts the concerts off by singing a couple of numbers with the band. Unfortunately, he missed this concert as he's been hospitalized with a severe respiratory illness. I wish him a speedy recovery, and I'm sure he's getting the quality of medical attention that most of us can only dream of. Let's get to the real reason we're all here, and truth be told, the reason I attended the event. Ursay made the news in 2015 when he paid $2.2 million for Ringo's 1963 Ludwig Oyster Black Pearl three-piece drum set used by the Beatles during their 1963 European tour. Beatles guitars in the collection include John's Gretsch 6120 used on paperback writer and later gifted to Ringo, George's Gibson 56 which was gifted to Pete Ham, the collection also included Paul's handwritten lyrics to Hey Jude, the second greatest song of all time. Ringo's bass drumhead used on the first Ed Sullivan show. 
Also, sadly, Paul's 1970 Beatles breakup affidavit is in the collection with handwritten comments on the side by John. Perhaps the most beautiful item is John's 1872 John Broadwood and Sons upright piano. This was purchased by John in 1966 and was his home composing piano. The piano has an ebonized case and an elaborate gilt inlay. The upper and lower fretboards feature ornate fretwork highlighted by scarlet backing cloths. Very visually striking. When John moved to Tittenhurst Park in 1968, this piano came with him. Eventually, when he moved to the United States, he gave the piano to a friend, but not before he had a plaque affixed to it that read, On this piano was written, uh, A Day in the Life, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Good morning, good morning, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite and many others. John Lennon, 1971. Among other items were Dylan's 1964 Strat used during his July 25, 1965 performance at the Newport Folk Festival. I yelled, Traitor! as I walked past. But, hey, it's L.A. No one reacted as if they knew what the crazy man was talking about. Can I recommend the Jim Irsay collection? Sure, it does speak to the ego of a guy who inherited an NFL team when his dad passed, but I give him a pass. Get it? On that. He, at great personal expense, purchased these items, but also, at great personal expense, shares them with all of us. Much cooler than the fat cats who buy this stuff and squirrel it away, never to be seen again. If the Jim Ursay collection comes to your town, you should definitely check it out. Heck, I can even sell you a ticket. So did I say I wouldn't review another podcast that wasn't solely about the Beatles? Well, here's another one. I was noticing that in my search for Beatles podcasts, something called The Kimmer Show kept coming up. So since the November 2nd podcast said it was about now and then, I decided to take one for the team and give it a listen. Well, it turns out that The Kimmer Show isn't actually a podcast at all. It's a radio show on 106.3 XTRA in Atlanta. The show is then uploaded on a daily basis on podcast platforms. The show is three hours long, and apparently they have almost 800 episodes. The host is Kimmer, and he has two sidekicks, Pete, a mostly sports guy, and Flounder, who seems to be more technically oriented. Pretty standard evening drive time fare. The show itself is pretty right of center, and the topics are very sports-heavy. Kimmer's style kind of reminds me of a Don Imus-type delivery, speaking fast in partial sentences in a gravelly voice. Oh, I, I've got to get a new wallet. Oh, the, the, you, you know, pens don't last as long as they used to. I, I can't find my receipt to home, de you know, and these speakers are just not very good. That sort of thing. They also laugh hysterically a great deal of the time. Here's how the show starts. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, really? Seriously? <laughs> it's only me. Mercy. Uh, how's it going? It's only me. It's only the camera. <laughs> I just saw something so stupid. Oh, Lordy. You see what I just did over here? I'll try to explain that in a second. Flounder winners, what in the hell's going on in there? How you doing? Look out. 303, it's only me. It's only the Kimmer with Pete Davis, sidekick producer and sports raconteur extraordinaire up there in the Macon uh, Mountains. How you doing? What's up there, Pete? What's going on? Just a gorgeous day. Frost on the pumpkin. Well, I'll tell you, Frosty, in fact, I have a little bit of a story here before we get going too far. And the mechanical I'm usually not sure what they're laughing at. So why am I reviewing this podcast on I Am The Podman? Well, because not only is this MAGA-loving podcast ever at a loss to come up with derogatory terms for that Brandon fellow, but more importantly, this podcast radio show was very Beatles-heavy in content. So to begin with, they were playing the greatest songs that turned 60 this year. This is The Kimmer Show, back on the air every afternoon until 6 p.m. And be here for more conservative talk tomorrow morning on your ride to work with Tug, Rhino, and Los on The Morning Extra, 6 to 10 a.m. on Extra 1063. <laughs> Got a new list for you, and this is the number one song on it. Oh, yeah, tell you something. This is my Beatle, the real Beatle. Say that song, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I want to hold your hand. <laughs> I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand, baby. The hand. Beatles, and this is on a list of the 15 greatest songs that turned 60 years old this year. Number one, the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And by the way, coming up, uh, Flounder's doing this because coming up very shortly, we're going to be playing, well, let's play the whole damn thing. You want to play the whole damn thing too, right? Absolutely. Let's do that. Uh, coming up is the new, old, new, uh, now and then, with John's voice, Beatles song, which you've been heard about. It's being released it, it released today. Uh, and we have that for you, and we'll play that for you shortly. Again, number one on the list of the 15 greatest songs that are 60 years old today is the Beatles. What was that? Did we wake up in 1966, a week after the Rolling Stones hit number one on the album, the Beatles yeah. released a new single? I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. They talk about AI, which kind of leads to now and then. They play the song all the way through, well, except for cutting off the count-in and the first few notes. Uh, 322, 322. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's get this. So right, here's the deal. And uh, we're going to talk about AI and stuff later on today. Uh, and also, in fact, I have a couple of AI stories. And Pete, I forgot to check with you. I have an AI story about, hold on, I got it here somewhere. If I could only follow here on uh, uh, the, the chat GPT chief guy, uh, which we will maybe get to a little later on. Now, uh, here, here, speaking of AI. Surviving Beatles Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr heard John Lennon singing anew on Now and Then. It's the brand new Beatles song that will be released and has been released today. They say it was like their former bandmate had miraculously come back to life four decades after he was murdered. Quote, there it was. 
John's voice crystal clear, said McCartney, now 81 years old. It's a new short film, Now and the Last Beatles Song, premiered on the Fab Four's YouTube channel yesterday. Uh, Ringo Starr, who's 83, God, I love saying that. Paul McCartney's 81, Ringo Starr is 83. Uh, and he said, it's like John's here. Now and then, the first new Beatles tune since Real Love in 1996 was written and first recorded by John Lennon in the 70s when he was in the Dakota building on Central Park West, where he was murdered December 8th, 43 years ago, 1980. Uh, his uh, son, uh, Sean Ono Lennon, now 48, says, I do remember living at the Dakota with Dad and Mom. There's this impression that my dad stopped doing music for a while to raise me, which I think is partially true in terms of him not touring and not fulfilling a lot of major record label obligations, but he was always playing music around the house. He was always making demos, and I do remember him recording into these tape cassette recorders. Mom had this handful of songs that my dad had not finished, and she gave them to the other Beatles. George Harrison died from lung cancer in 2001. Uh, he had been excited at the prospect of all four of the Beatles getting reunited in song after he got the gift from Ono in 1994 uh, of, of the other uh, un unplayed recordings he did on a cassette. That was the gift the, uh, Ono gave him. If we were to do something, the three of us, as interesting as it may be, to have John in it is the obvious thing. To hear John's voice, that's the thing we would cherish, and I'm sure he would have really enjoyed the opportunity to be with us again. So Harrison, McCartney, and, uh, and Ringo set out to bring Now and Then to Life in 1995. But wait a minute now. The limitations technologically were horrible. They, they clearly could not separate Lennon's voice in the demo, but then new technology allowed director Peter Peter Jackson to isolate voices and instruments in the 2021 Beatles Get Back documentary. So now McCartney and Ringo set out to complete Now and Then with their upgraded toolkit in 2022. In addition to uh, George Harrison's guitar parts recorded back in 1995, Paul McCartney added bass and a slide guitar part as a tribute to George and Ringo sat down and laid down the drums. All those memories came flooding back, said McCartney, and Now and Then, the last Beatles song, like how lucky was I to have those men in my life and to work with those men so intimately and to come up with such a body of music to still be working on Beatles music in 2023 wow now and then probably the last Beatles song and we've all played on it so it is a genuine Beatle recording ladies and gentlemen now and then Then they come back with so these wow. original demos were redone in ninety five, you said, right? Yeah. So uh, is that during the anthology time, Pete? Well that would be during the anthology time, but I don't remember them talking about this. I think this is something that came on maybe Maybe a little afterwards? It kind of has a little bit of a free as a bird vibe. And I remember that's one of the new ones they did in the anthologies in 95. Yeah, well, this sounds like a little more production. Uh, it Really, you can tell that George Martin had what an influence he was in the Beatles because he just made it that extra special with what he would put into it with the production. But it has a little Eleanor Rigby sound to it with yeah. the strings behind it. And uh, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice pretty song. I think John's voice is a little nasally. But still, it's it's amazing to hear him do such a 
such a intricate song lyric wise with up and down chord changes. That's kind. Of, it's much different than you know real love and free as a bird and that stuff. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'm very choked up right now. Well, this uh, the, yeah. for this stupid song, <laughs> I swear to God, well, this is unbelievable. Uh, the, uh, uh, not only the nature of it, but uh, the harmony, the chords, the chorus. Um, I'm really touched. I, I, this is unbelievable. I'm and, and I'm not, this is, you know, I'm an old, I'm, I said I'm an old Beatles guy. You know, I want to hold your freaking hand. That's me. Well, I got, you know, I'm, I'm being all stupid here because this really got to me. I can't believe it. That's not like they, me. Wow. When they came out with, it was either Real Love or Free as a Bird. And I was pulling up in front of my girlfriend's house and it was dark. And I'm, I'm sitting there and they said the Beatles song was coming on. So I sat in the car and listened to it. And I felt the same way as you feel now. It was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm suddenly 10 years old again listening to a Beatles song. It was just overwhelming. Yeah, well, this was a whole different girlfriend thing, that's for sure. But honestly, I, 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 can't, I can't believe I'm, I mean, I'm getting better and better as we speak. And we're going to take a break, thank God. That's why I can, you know, Sue's got a little something on the truck, maybe, but uh, holy crap, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm it's just really astounding. I'm, uh, yeah, I play it again. Why don't you? <laughs> this is a different one we're going out. Oh, of. Jesus. All right, 331 with two, 332. I can't even see the clock with a giver. I like it. Now, sure, anyone listening to this can play Spot the Errors, but it's hard for me to diss anyone who gets so choked up over now and then. On the video cast, it's very clear that Kimmer was in tears. They returned from their commercial break to this. <laughs> Rock and roll, baby, 60 years old. Going to Surf City. We have a list. Uh, the Flounder's got a list. He handed to me the 15 greatest songs that turned 60 years old this year. We played The Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. That's number one on the list. The Beach Boys, Surfing USA, is number three. No, this isn't that one. Oh, that's not that We're one. We're doing, uh, this is, uh... Dan and Dean. Dan surfing. and Dean, where is this one? <laughs> number 10, Surf City. Uh, ten, surf City, yeah, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> number oh, 10. Well, I, <laughs> I'm still screwed up over that stupid Beatles song. I mean, hey. it's hard to freaking believe. Honest to God, I just, I'm, an, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I... Blech, blech. Yeah. I'm serious. Well, I first heard Free as a Bird. I sat in the car, and at the end of it, where it fades out and comes back, just like Strawberry Fields Forever, that's what got me. It's like, oh, my God, that really is a Beatles song. I know? just, I mean, it's just, it's really unbelievable. <laughs> and I don't get it. Uh, well, it's also tis the season, you know. Uh, uh, anyway, whatever. Um, no, you're just crying. No, I'm so just flounder, a freaking. Flounder, get in there and do the No, we're meter. not doing anything. We got nothing going on in here. 338. <laughs> Uh, Surf 
Grove City, Dan and Jean. Dan and Jean. Dan and Dean. <laughs> okay, that's it. Good night, everybody. I'm out of here. Dear Lord. Jan and Dean, Surf City's number 10. <laughs> you idiot. God, I'm such a loser. I'm not a man. Such a freaking loser. <laughs> Dipstick. And for the next two and a half hours, the Beatles get numerous mentions. The remainder of the show was mostly political commentary and baseball, since the Podman is an ice hockey guy, and these Atlanta guys don't even mention the Flames or the Thrashers once, I lost interest. Because they loved Now and Then so much, they ended the show by playing it again in its entirety to close the show. And yes, this time they played the Countin as well. So what's the verdict? Well, since The Kimmer Show isn't really a podcast and certainly isn't a Beatles podcast, I don't really think it falls into the strict requirements of this show. Why then did I include it on this podcast? Because I spent three hours of my life listening to it. And you know, I'll never get that three hours back. Thank you for listening to I Am The Podman, a Beatles podcast review. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Please remember to like and subscribe. If you have a Beatles-related podcast that you would like me to review, please feel free to email me at IamThePodman at gmail.com. That's IamThePodman at gmail.com. Now it's time to say goodnight. Peace and love. Imagine.